If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. For $40 million value, all for $9.97 today. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Like, where did you so, get that number? <laughs> yes. And like, who, unless somebody has paid you $40 million, it's not worth that. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small-town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. My very first dive into the deep end of the online course world was the result of a friend's comment on a social media post. She had signed up for this discovery call with a business consultant and told me that I should hop on too. By the end of that call, I was pitched a course and I made the investment and those two choices were the start of my career as a course creator. That might make it sound like I just snapped my fingers and boom, I was ready to launch my first program. And I can assure you that was not the case. But I can also tell you that creating a course is totally in the realm of possibility for you if you want it to be. Kylie, my podcast producer, is back on the show to ask me all the questions about online courses, what my first course looked like, what I did to change my strategies from launch one to launch two. And I even challenge her on her own course creation objections. Plus, you have to hear about the email that I sent to Amy Porterfield back in 2016, back when I was simply just a student like you looking for the next step in my business. Okay, are you ready for this one? Let's dive on in. Hey. Hello. Hello. (laughs) This is so fun to sit up to the mic with you again. Thank you for having me back on as, I don't know what, the guest host of this show (laughs) Guest hosted by Kylie Keene, the producer of the Gold Digger podcast. Hey, Kylie Lowe, I'm married now. Don't forget. That's true. That's true. Kylie Keene Lowe. Yeah. All the names. Well, I'm excited today because we're going to be talking about the topic of course creation. And if I can reveal something to you real quick, I had no idea that the online course world even existed before I started working for you. Seriously? 
Like I didn't even know it was a thing. My experience with online education was through my university, like in college with well-meaning, but brutally boring professors, you know, teaching gen ed classes or whatever it was. But I didn't know that people could teach their expertise and like package that up and serve the world in that way. And so it was completely foreign to me until I started working for you. I think that's so interesting. And it actually speaks to a lot of the questions that we often get, like, what do you actually do? And I know even like for our accountants and stuff, sometimes they're like, so wait, how does this work? What do you teach? And like, how do you get students? It's, it is a very interesting world because I think people know about education online in the form of like, let me Google that. Right. But not necessarily like, let me learn something from start to finish that isn't a college course. So I guess you make a very good point, but that is hilarious. I don't think I knew that. (laughs) Yeah. It was so cool to learn about it through you. And now I'm like, everyone should do this. (laughs) (laughs) So how were you first introduced to the idea of online courses and that possibility of becoming an educator yourself? So I've shared this story before, but I haven't gone into like all of the details, but essentially one of my friends who was a photographer, her name is Natalie. Her husband was kind of in the online consulting space and he had put up an Instagram post and it was something like, Hey, sign up for a free coaching call. And I remember I saw one of my friends comment on his post, like signed up, save my seat. And so I texted her and I was like, Hey, what is this that you're signing up for? And she's like, Oh, he just kind of runs through some of your business things and gives you some ideas and I'm going to do it. You should snag a spot as well. And so I did snag a spot and I got on the phone with this guy. And by the end of the call, he had sold me his course. So brilliant as he was (laughs) his consulting calls were to ask you questions and then to sell you a program, which is not a method that I personally do, but hey, it worked on me. And that was my first experience taking an online course and also my first experience being a consumer of one. And that same guy was the guy who I remember, I actually still have the message in my Facebook messenger, had dropped me a link to Amy Porterfield's podcast and was like, hey, she just did this episode about online courses. You should listen to it. And that was where I actually got introduced to podcasting, which was back in 2015. I didn't even know what podcasts were. I didn't know how to listen to them. I didn't know that I had an app on my phone for them. And so I was listening to Amy's podcast via her blog and like hitting play on her blog every single week from then on. And that was kind of the beginning of it all for me. Oh, that's so wild. It all started with a social media post from someone. Right? I know. Social media and then connection to podcasts. It It is kind of crazy to look back because nowadays this is also common, but yeah. it was before there were ads and like all that kind of stuff was not even existing at that time. And so just kind of interesting to see how it's evolved into such a common thing nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> One side note, I remember going to a conference around that same time and John Lee Dumas was speaking at the conference yes. in Maine, where I'm from. And he was talking about podcasting as a business. And I remember tweeting something like, podcasting is dead or like something to the effect that podcasting isn't here to say. I have been proven wrong over and over, but that's, I guess, a story for another time. Haven't Um, we all though? I feel like that's like, you know, Instagram's never going to last or like Facebook's going down. And it's like super interesting because the strategies that worked five, six years ago are still very alive and well today. Totally. 
So you go from taking your first course, being sold that first course on a call. How did you actually start teaching? When did you think like, I could do this, I could teach others? So my teaching journey is a little bit separate from courses and it's actually quite interesting. So I remember I was about three years into my photography business. I had created a very successful wedding photography business and I had put it out there into the universe saying, you know, if there's any photographers that want to learn, these are the things I'm good at. I'll do coaching. And to be honest, it was a way to get cash flow in in the off season because I was shooting, you know, six months out of the year. And then I had a lot of downtime where I was really focused on business. And I had realized that I had done something a little bit differently than a lot of other photographers because my foundation was always grounded in business where I feel like a lot of people are grounded in their art and they struggle with that business side. And so I started doing coaching sessions out of our little apartment, the first apartment we lived in together when we were married. And I would do half day or full day sessions. And I believe it was like $500 for a half day, $1,000 for a full day. And what I started to realize is that I was teaching the same things over and over and over again. And the photographers that would come into my house, they would ask me, you know, how do you do your pricing? What do your emails look like? How do you edit quickly? And I was like walking through these same things over and over and over again. And I started to realize then again, that I was putting myself in the situation of trading time for money. And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs, it takes a little bit of time because we're so excited, like, oh my gosh, somebody's willing to pay me for this thing. But then we realize that we're almost like creating this vicious cycle where if I stop working, money stops coming in and, or like you're spending your life doing the same thing over and over and over again in order to get the same result without figuring out a different way. So that was where I started teaching. But that then kind of led me into the idea of courses. So we're really following like your evolution into course creator right now. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a hundred dollar credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So you've revealed a little bit behind the scenes to our team, like what the first (laughs) Jetta Kutcher course looked like. But please just paint that picture for me. What was that first course like? Oh, man. So, okay. Let me start with the things I did right. Um, And then we can go into the things I did wrong. So when I was even just thinking about it today, I was remembering that my course was five weeks long and it had five pillars. And I'm actually really proud of like the blueprint that I had because it's the main pillars of entrepreneurship. So it covered branding in week one, ideal clients, social media strategy, pricing and finances, and then work flows. And so I'm like looking at it today and I'm like, actually, that's super solid. Like that's still the things that I teach on and the things that I would teach on. So I feel like I was on par with how I did it and and how I led through it. But it was in 2015 when I created it. And the thing that I did really interesting was (laughs) I didn't understand the technology of like how to have slides and how to have your voice over the slides. And so I sat in bed and I had ordered this little microphone off of Amazon and I just spoke into the microphone. And while we were at our team retreat, I found an MP3 from that very first course. And oh my land, it was like, Hello, this is Jenna Kutcher. <laughs> Today, we will talk about branding. And so it, good. Was, so good. it was so, I mean, I sound like an entirely different person. You really do. Oh, but yeah, but it was interesting. So it was audio only, but with my first course, what I offered is a weekly one-on-one call with each student, which if you do the math, I basically was creating this mentorship model with an online course which then sucked up a ton of my time. So I was spending 20 to 30 hours a week on the phone with these students and it was a lot. But, you know, it was the first crack at it. It was the first go. Yeah, for sure. And it was all part of that learning experience too. But I feel like once you created that and you had that model of the one-on-one calls on top of the course, you're like, wait, I'm still trading time for money. (laughs) Yes. And I remember it was so funny because I would go on walks and do the calls because I just 
like I couldn't just sit in a chair and be on the phone all day. And I walked so many laps around our little cul-de-sacs on these phone calls. And I can remember like the actual people in the phone calls that were happening because they were really, really good. But I was like exhausted. Like I tried to create a new model to get me out of the old model, which only furthered the old model. And me realizing I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So learning all of that, you know, we talk a lot about your first launch, but how did you take what you learned from the first launch to get into that second one, like the evolution of launching your course and creating a second one? What did that transformation look like? And what did you do in between to get away from the model that you (laughs) get away from in the first place? Yes. You know, I actually was going through my inbox because I wanted to find the emails I sent. 2015 was my first launch and we did $25,000 in sales. So my product was, I believe it was either $2,000 or $2,500, which is a lot, a very premium product. But then again, they got that six phone calls one-on-one time. And so I recognize, okay, here's what I don't want to do. Here's what worked. Here's what didn't work. Here's what I need to do in order to make this even better. And so in January of 2016, I actually reached out to Amy Porterfield and I asked her if she could coach me one-on-one. And so I dug up the email because I just thought it was too good to not share. Yeah. And the title said launch coach. That was the subject. And it said, (laughs) Hi, Amy. My name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am a wedding photographer and educator based in Wisconsin. I started listening to your podcast about a year ago, and I've been hooked ever since. I took the Profit Lab and have purchased webinars at Convert, which were both of her paid programs, and I'm so excited to dive into that now that my wedding season has slowed down. I'm writing to see if you or someone you know would be willing to be a launch coach for me in this upcoming year. I have an online course for photographers and recently did a soft launch that generated $25,000 in revenue, but I know it has more potential for this year. I want to take my education and passive income to the next level and know that in order to do so, I need to invest in a great business coach who can personally guide me. I would love to work with you, but I know you are a busy gal. So if you don't offer one-on-one business coaching, would you point me in the direction of someone who might be a good fit? You're the best. Signed, Jenna Kutcher. Wow, Um, that's sticking your neck right out there. I know. And she had (laughs) no idea who I was. I was I was just a listener to her show and I got back a response from her team saying, you know, thank you so much, but Amy doesn't do that. And so then I followed up and I said, okay, totally understand, but do you know anyone that would? And so then her team wrote back and they sent me the name of a mentor that Amy had had. So I reached out to him never knowing or having met him, sent a very similar email. He said, Hey, Jenna, I'm in a mastermind with seven people. I'm going to post about your need in that group and see if anyone's available, which was just huge of him to do that. And like, so cool. He didn't know who I was. And so through that, he referred me to this business coach. And so I ended up talking to her and I hired her. So by this point, I had taken both of Amy's courses. I had taken that first course that I had purchased and I decided to go all in and like pay $12,000 fly to, I think it was Vermont. I don't even remember and sit down with this coach and figure out how to plan out my next launch. And so it was very interesting to kind of look back on those emails because, you know, I think a lot of times we need that proof of concept first of like, okay, 
first, people were willing to pay me for my mentorship one-on-one. Awesome. Okay. Second, I created this online course and offered that mentoring and people did it. And it was a really high ticket item. Like I don't even have courses that cost that much anymore. Proof of concept. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready to like do this the right way and really invest in it because I know that it can be worth it. So it was just interesting to watch my thought process even back then. Yeah. And plunking down that investment into a coach that I mean, my eyes got wide when you said that number, because that still seems Uh, crazy. But the things that you worked on, I mean, what did that change for you working with that coach? Like, how did that change everything moving forward? Yeah, I kind of laugh now because the reason why I don't say names of people is because some people I actually wouldn't recommend working with again. Oh, interesting. Um, And she was great, but she ran at a very high stress level. And so what was super interesting is I sat in her house. I flew out, sat in her house for two days. We had like big whiteboards. We were planning everything out. We were trying to figure out like what's the next course and what's the email sequence. And I learned a ton of valuable information from her. I remember we were reverse engineering, like what's our goal on this? And I really wanted to hit six figures. And that was a huge goal. I I had made $25,000. So to go from that to six figures, it's giant. And the thing that I learned was she ran her launches just at this like frenzied, stressful level. So I left her place. We had the first launch planned. We get into the launch. It felt like the world was ending. If you hear me and Danielle on the team ever talk about like how different launching is, it's because our first launches together were so stressful. And so I kind of learned like, that, you know, to create this course and to do a webinar and all these things, like it needed to feel like the world was ending and that everything was at stake. And that's just not me. That's not how I operate. And I don't operate like anything is an emergency. And so, yeah, so it was really, really interesting. But our second launch, we ended up doing $145,000 in sales with this newer course that was formatted in a way that supported me not having to one-on-one support people. And, and it was basically like, we took that first course and created this second iteration that was better, but also that served within the course at a higher level so that I wasn't the one on the phone all day. And so I definitely took a lot of great learning moments. And then I also took some things of like, I don't want to do this. The results are great, but this method is not going to work for me. Sure. Well, that's a learning experience in and of itself because you got to learn what the Jenna Kutcher method of launching was going to be, Yes, which looked way different. So the difference between launch number one and launch number two, and I'm guessing launch number three as well, as you continue to launch this, it was investing in teaching and coaching and someone to help guide you along or a program to help guide you along. Is that a fair assessment of what kind of turned things around? Absolutely. So if I look at it, you know, there are so many amazing courses out there. That's why I believe in creating online courses is, you know, I started with those like no one-on-one, like I wanted to learn the courses. And something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss in terms of an opportunity is 
pay attention to what's out there. And like, I've bought courses just to see how other creators create, or I've bought courses just to figure out the layout to reverse engineer. I followed launches of products that I knew upfront I never would buy just to watch people in action. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss out on that opportunity to learn through that research. And so when I look back, I'm like, whoa, I was actually pretty smart because, you know, I bought both of Amy's paid programs. I took them. I was a student. I was convinced I am going to be such a big success story for her that she cannot help but pay attention to what I'm doing, which is what happened. And then I took, you know, the money I made from what I learned from there and just continue to reinvest. And I think that that's part of the success of entrepreneurs is proof of concept, getting results, and then taking those results and continuing to invest up that ladder. And so nowadays, a lot of times you'll hear these high-level entrepreneurs talk about these super expensive masterminds and all these things, but I would bet you any amount of money that they started with courses and they started learning and taking action that way first. Yes. Love that. Okay. So now I'm like dying to know what that first launch process or the second launch process, whichever one you want to dive into, like, what did that look like at the start? Because I know now, looking at the back end of the business and seeing it firsthand, it's like, it seems very complex. And a lot of things are moving and we've got the team on everything. But your first launch doesn't have to look like that or be like that. No, let's talk about both of them because they're both really different. And I think it's kind of cool. So the first launch where we did 25,000 in sales with a $2,000 product, my email list was 800 people, 800. And I think I scrapped that up like, you know, a few weeks before, like I was like, dear God, people sign up for this. I created a freebie and I had 800 people on my list. And I actually found the emails that I sent and it was so funny because one, my voice and the way that I speak and the words that I said in it, like in that email from years ago, it was like imperfect action makes things happen. When you put one foot in front of the other, you take a giant leap. Like it's just funny to read it because I'm like, wow, like not much has changed in a beautiful way. But I was all over social media and I was sliding into people's Facebook Messenger and just following up with entrepreneurs who I knew were doing a good job, but who I believed could do more. And so I was in the trenches for that first launch. Like I was the only person on my team. There was no team. It was just me sending out emails. I created a Squarespace landing page and I was the one answering every single question and getting on the phone with people and doing those calls with people to just help them understand if this was a good fit for them. Second launch was totally different. We had Facebook ads. We were relying more on automation. I was planning out emails in advance versus writing them as we were hitting send. And so it was really interesting to watch that evolution because I think it's so important that people understand like you got to get in the trenches. Like we talk so much about automation, but when you're putting your first offer out there and maybe you're not super well known in your space, maybe you don't have a ton of followers, maybe your email list is a few hundred at best. That's where you are the one where you are clarifying the clients and you are confirming that they are a good fit and you're answering their questions and you're asking questions. And then once you have all of that feedback and experience, 
that's when you start to do those bigger things like plan ahead and automate and create an email sequence and all those things. But it never starts there. And so it's just really interesting because I was able to scale quickly in the sense of first launch, second launch, third launch, but it was taking the feedback from every single thing that we had done and then saying, okay, how can we do this better? How can we prepare for this next time so that we're not scrambling at midnight the night before? What does it look like to know what emails are going out when so that we're not writing them in real time and trying to edit them and sending out typos and messing up? So I think, you know, the entire journey, if you would say that, of online courses is just this constant feedback session that you have to be receptive of hearing that allows you to then grow and scale, which is so cool. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be the massive six-figure first time out of the gate overnight success. Like it doesn't, it's why we don't teach kids how to ride a unicycle right out of the gate, right? Like they don't even have a sense of balance yet because they don't know what training wheels on a bike are. So exactly, you got to start and evolve and work up to that unicycle, which I I probably still couldn't do. So, (laughs) Well, and I think too, it's like, The biggest thing that's always driven me is that I never want to make a bad investment. And so for me, if I had even just earned back the investment that I had made into those online courses, I would chalk it all up as a success. And I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. They look at it as a cost or an expense versus an investment. But I think very early on, I recognize like if I can learn something once and have it yield results for years to come then it's 100% worth it, which is why I went from buying a course to buying a second course to buying a third course to paying a coach. Then the next email I had sent was asking, do you know of any masterminds I could join? And I just understood that like those investments can yield results, not just now, but for the long term, if you're ready to apply what you learn. Absolutely. So now that you are about a million launches in, uh, give or take a few. (laughs) (laughs) On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. How has the process evolved, and what things do you still keep kind of simple and straightforward like you had from day one. Yeah. I mean, I love launching now and I'm so grateful for that because I think the way that I learned made me kind of fear launches. It felt like so high stakes and high pressure and everything felt like an emergency. And so now I love launches because just like anything in life, you learn how to prepare, how to do better, how to show up ready. And we kind of know what to expect nowadays. And so I love webinars. I think they are so much fun. I was so afraid of the tech before. I've had like some of the worst things happen on webinars. One time I was on a webinar and everyone got kicked out, including (sighs) me. 
my computer like restarted in the middle of it. And so everyone had to jump back in and I was so flustered. And it was so funny because it converted incredibly well because people knew it was live. They knew it was real. And so it's like funny because the things that I think we fear the most sometimes work in our favor because people just want to know like you can be successful at this and not be perfect and not be polished and have screw ups and it still works. And so launching now is really fun. It's definitely more methodical. We've definitely learned a system. I could list out all of the things we need in order to have a launch and we could prepare them in advance. And so even when we did a recent launch, Drew was like kind of prepared. I think he's scarred from our first launch. (laughs) I need to go and hide for the week. And on a recent launch, like he texts me and was like, hey, do you want to go on a walk tonight? And it was like right after webinar. I was like, sure, I'll meet you in five. And he was like, really? And it's just, it's so energetically different. And I think that energy is everything when you're putting something out into the world. People can feel if you care about something. People can feel if you care about them. And I think I was so bogged down in the details and the fears that I wasn't able to really like lift my eyes and be like, we're about to change lives, people. And this is so, so cool. So good. Yeah. I mean, you are the most chill person. I don't know a stressful Jenna during a launch because I joined like in the later part of the process. Yeah, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so cool. Okay. So since you are kind of like a seasoned pro in the space, I want to know when you look at other educators and other courses, like have you kind of developed pet peeves or like things you try to (laughs) stay away from when you're creating your courses or launching them? Yes. Oh my gosh. Everyone has like, I have deep respect for the fact that everyone teaches differently. And I think it's, it's super cool because if I'm not for you, there's going to be someone out there that is for you. And I just think that's beautiful. But one of the things that drives me nuts is when people try to throw in everything in the kitchen sink into a program. And they think that that's like doing people a service because I don't know about you, but nowadays, like simplicity sells. And I want something where I'm like, oh, I'm actually going to finish this and I'm going to get the results. And so I think it's not necessarily a pet peeve, but something that people are prone to do when they start out teaching is they question the value they're offering. And so they tend to like want to throw in everything. And I, I often see this with male educators where it's like, for $40 million value all for nine ninety seven today. <laughs> and you're like, wait, what? Like, where did you so, get that number? <laughs> yes. And like who, unless somebody has paid you $40 million, it's not worth that. And so to me, I'm like simplicity sells, like get people the actual results and they'll keep coming back. And so my biggest pet peeves are asinine values where you're like, that's not actually worth that, but that's cool that you think that. Throwing <laughs> in everything in the kitchen sink and like believing that more is better because I think a lot of times educators will lead with like our 125 page workbook. And I'm like, what? Like, I want a 10 page workbook that I know I'll actually fill out. And so that's like a trend where I'm seeing people are going back to more simplistic, like here's how to learn something from start to finish. And I love that. But I often roll my eyes at the ego behind some of the offers that are put out into the world. And I giggle a little bit. Oh, totally. And I think too, you know, I'm a student of courses. I like to take courses now that I know that the world exists. (laughs) 
And I would much rather invest in maybe like a couple different programs that teach me like a niche area of a topic rather than yep. having to get the entire history of social media yes. <laughs> in one program because yes. that's overwhelming to me and I know I'll struggle to implement. Yep, exactly. Have you ever thought about creating your own course? I have actually, because it's hard not to when I'm living and breathing in this space with you. Well, I think of, I could think of a million courses you could make. What would hold you back from creating one? Oh gosh. Okay. I think my first fear would be that I don't have a big enough audience to get it in front of the right people who would invest. Okay. Let me look at how many Instagram I'm looking right now. (laughs) A little over 2,100. Kylie Keenlow, everyone go find her. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, first off, that's a huge audience. And I think one of the biggest things that I learned from that coach who I flew out to see that was super helpful is like reverse engineering your goals and like numbers. Like there are industry standards for everything. Like how many people sign up for a webinar? How many people show up for a webinar? How many people convert from the webinar? I mean, it's kind of cool because I think for me, when I first did a course, like when I got that first sale, I was like, okay, there are people out there that trust this, believe this, and I'm going to over deliver. And for so many people, I feel like it's like, you've just got to make one sale to prove that there is an audience out there for what you're creating. And I think that like just getting something out there like that is what holds people back. Yeah. Okay. Wait, so this is fun. Can I tell you another one of my fears? Yep. <laughs> Launching a course? Okay. So my other one would be, you know, I create this program, I teach something. What if it doesn't work? Like what if a student comes to me and they're like, this didn't, you didn't do it. I didn't learn the thing that you said I would learn. Like I just, I know I have confidence in what I could teach, but mm-hmm. I'm just afraid that I wouldn't meet a student's expectation and like what that would feel like. It's like soul crushing, but <laughs> but that's why refunds exist. Okay, And I actually learned, and I believe it was Stu McLaren or James Wedmore, one of those guys, I always get them confused, but one of them had a podcast about reframing the refund and it changed everything for me. And so, for example, I was in Puerto Rico earlier this year. We were talking about my courses and just what my plans were with them. And I was super proud. And I was like, we have a less than 1% refund rate. And I remember Russell Brunson stopped me right there. And he's like, that's not a good thing. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, my courses are killer. Like, they're so good. And he's like, that means you're not reaching enough people. Like you want to have a refund rate, which shows that you're casting your net wide enough, not just for your perfect customers, but for people who might be on the fringe or might not be fully perfect. Because if you're not doing that, you're doing a disservice to the people who could use your offers, but you're not reaching them. And it totally reframed everything for me. And I honestly think that the very few refund requests that we get give us the most valuable feedback to make our programs better. So I totally reframed the idea of refunds. And it is one of those things where it's like, oh, you just feel awful. But we've also implemented getting on the phone with people that are requesting them just to ask them more questions so we can learn and do better. And in that, we've honestly found that most of the time people that are requesting refunds either struggled to follow through, got stuck somewhere and didn't know how to move forward, or it just wasn't the right offer at the right time for them. It wasn't necessarily about the program itself. So I've totally reframed how I look at refunds. And I hope that that helps you. Yeah, it does. I love that. 
Okay. Well, any other fears? <laughs> I don't know. I actually, you know, in following you and learning from you and learning from Amy Porterfield and all of these incredible guests that we invite on the show, Danielle Leslie, all these course mm-hmm. creators have seen such success doing that. Just the possibility that they've painted for me. Like, I think I'm lucky in the fact that I kind of know what my strengths are. And I know if I could just push myself to package them, that the world would benefit from them. So well, I learn from you all the time. (laughs) I'm like, please do this. I think it is cool. Like you said, like listening to this show, it's like, you can see what's possible. And I think for me, Amy Porterfield was like the four minute mile because she was like openly sharing about a million dollar launch and all these things. And it just, it felt so far fetched and so wild, but because I knew that it was possible, it made me think bigger. And I think a lot of times people can misconstrue that or not necessarily understand that or take it and twist it. But for me, when Amy would come on and be like, okay, I just did this launch. Here were our results. Here's where I messed up. Here's where I did it right. Like I was a student to that, to every sense of the definition of student. And I think that's what's amazing about our world nowadays is it's like, maybe you just want to pay your mortgage or maybe you want to be able to pay off your student loans. Like It doesn't have to be this giant thing that replaces everything. And now you're just an educator. It could be your child's tuition. It could be your grocery bill. It could be a trip for yourself. And I think sometimes we confuse other people's goals with our own Mm -hmm. instead of asking ourselves, like, what do I actually want out of this? Or what would this look like for me? Yeah. You know, I was watching Danielle Leslie's live stream and she was live when she hit a million dollars in sales on her most recent And I was like full sob just because that was her goal and she hit it. And like seeing someone reach those big moments are just, oh, I mean, it painted the possibility for me even greater. And I know that if I were to launch a program, my first goal would not be a million dollars. That would be completely (laughs) unattainable from the start. But that doesn't mean I can't just start. Mm -hmm. 100%. So speaking of starting, where does someone even start in this space? We will link to an episode that Amy and I recorded last year, and it was about creating a mini course. Do you remember that episode? It's so good. good. And I think that is the best place to start is figuring out, okay, what are you great at? And can you get somebody results? So I learned how to teach and try different things with different challenges. And I think that if you go either the mini course route, which Amy explains on the podcast episode linked in the show notes, or if you just want to see what a challenge looks like, if you go to listbuildchallenge.com, you can see what a five-day challenge looks like. But I think for people starting, you need to get the confidence to understand that people want what you already know and people are intrigued and they're going to follow through. And so much of the objections of people against courses is mindset related. It's that imposter syndrome. It's that questioning, do I have something to offer? It's wondering, you know, there's so many other people already doing this. And I feel like all we need is like this vote of confidence that people want to know what we know. And so a mini course is a great way. A challenge is a great way. Doing one-on-one consulting is a great way. Doing a beta Facebook group is a great way. You know, even just doing a Q&A poll in your Instagram stories of like, what do you want to learn from me and getting that feedback. And so I just think it's time to put yourself out there and to just start 
understanding that you know something that people want to know. And every little bit of when people say yes to you needs to be this like boost of confidence for you to continue on. For me, it was like, okay, first I'm going to do like just start talking about business. That was new to me. I was a wedding photographer. I never talked about business. Then I'm going to say, I'll do coaching. And I sold those out. And then I started a course. And then from there, it just continued to grow and grow and grow. So putting your passions out there, asking those questions, collecting that feedback, and just understanding that you know something that other people would benefit from and figuring out how to get other people results is where I would start. I love it. Got to give yourself a proof of concept with some tiny little experiments and hit the ground running. Yes. Okay. So do a little forecasting for me as we bring this home. What do you think is next for the online course world that I just learned about like a year and a half ago? (laughs) (laughs) Well, honestly... I feel like 2020 is transformative for the online course world space. And I feel like with COVID and with people being home more and with people kind of questioning like, what is essential and what do I want my future to look like? And how do I take back control? And how do I make myself more valuable? I genuinely believe that 2020 is a year that propels the online coaching and course world forward in an awesome way. I think it's it's beautiful. I think that we need to transition how we're sharing information. People want to learn things quicker. They want to get from A to Z faster. And so what I think in terms of forecasting is I think that there is going to be more opportunities for people to teach and to learn online. I think that people are going to want to learn more from the comfort of their own home and on their own timeline, which is what I love about online courses is you can make it fit into your life. It's like this integration versus having to have like a structure and a very specific way to learn. And I also just think that it is empowering people to kind of own their gifts in a really beautiful way. I think that this year out of any year before is revealing within us that we are brilliant, that we have superpowers, that we have things to share with the world. And that partnered with this desire to take back control of our future and what our finances and our world can look like is just kind of opening the doors in a really cool way to allow people to teach and to be students and to kind of try new things. So I'm actually really excited. I think this year is going to just shape what is next. And I'm actually pretty pumped about it. Amen. Team, never leave the house right here. <laughs> right? I'm like, I've been training my whole life for yeah, that. <laughs> we got this. Well, Aww. Jenna, is there anything else you want to share about online courses, this whole world that you've brought me into and all of us into? I just think go to the show notes. We're going to link up some past episodes that will just kind of open these doors and and link back to some of the stories that Kylie and I were talking about today, just to kind of open your eyes to what's possible. I think that it's really important that we all start to pay attention to what's possible and start to believe that it's possible for us too, that we're not the outlier, the exception. And so head to the show notes today. You can head to golddiggerpodcast.com to access today's and all past show notes. 
notes. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. Thanks for coming on, Kylie. Oh, well, thanks for having me anytime. Great job wrapping up your own show. I'm very oh. proud of you. You know what? <laughs> I learned from the best. You know, maybe someday you'll have a course to teach others how to do maybe. what we do here. That's it. I'm going out on my own. See ya. <laughs> I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.